Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park Okay, Debbie, you are in a place to be. How you doing? You feeling good? I'm good. How are you, Chris? I'm doing well for a Monday night. You know, starting out the week just, just right. I think. Um, good. So get things moving here. Get things going. So everyone's got a little bit of a background about you. You have one of these stories that I like talking about with people. With that, you know, it seems like you were working in the corporate world, and then you just decided that, all right, we're going to try on a new adventure. Yes. Is that kind of yeah. how it went down? Not to that, <laughs> not that easy, but. Yeah, not that simple, but <laughs> yeah. I mean, I worked my way all the way up the corporate ladder, you know, starting right out of college as an account executive and then moving my way up to a COO level. And, you know, I kept being told every level like, oh, you know, when you get to the next level, the more money make you feel better and all oh, the title will be great. And, you know, that's going to answer all your problems and it was just every level. I'm like, this isn't really exciting. It's, it's very, you know, there's stress levels. I mean, there's just a new level of responsibility and all of that was okay, but I just didn't love every, every level. And then it was like, okay, go to the next one. But um, I thought I moved my way up to sea level and I felt like a prisoner where I was and it didn't really matter how much money it was or what the title looked like. I wasn't happy. Um, it just wasn't the right place for me. It wasn't the right environment for me. And I just, you know, listened to the voice inside of me that just said, get out of here and start writing. And I wasn't a writer. I, I liked to write when I was younger just for fun, but I never really wanted to be a writer. I started to do some writing in my 20s and it never really came to fruition of what it was going to be. So I did. I was like, you know what? I am so miserable. I'm going to listen to this voice. And I did. And I never looked back. I wrote three books in nine months. And now I've just been working on writing programs for people that just want to learn how to follow what's in their heart because it leads you to beautiful destinations. And, you know, I believe we're all here for a divine purpose and we're all uniquely made. And I learned how to do it for myself. And I just love to help people get to their true potential and follow their dreams. Did you say you wrote three books in nine months? Yes. Yes. How was that? Was that stressful <laughs> or was that just like you said, you know, you had that calling and you just like you just had sparks flying off the page. You just knew what you were doing, right? You just knew you had to, I mean, is that how, I mean, wow. <laughs> three books in nine months is in, 
impressive to me. Yeah, I didn't know what I was doing. And the first 40,000 words, I ended up having to throw it out. Uh, I, I had no rhyme or reason of what I was doing. And a lot of it sounded really stupid at the beginning. So I hired an editor who she really was so helpful with getting me on a track of a strong outline, you know, um, knowing what exactly I should be focusing on in my writing, because she liked a lot of the stuff that I wrote, but I didn't have an outline of where it was going. And even though I did end up writing an outline, I it ended up just letting the story tell its own, just live on its own. So I was literally days of just hitting my fingers on the keyboard. And I'm like, I'm not really here. I don't really feel like I'm here. And it's kind of amazing how everything tied together and worked out. And there's so many blessings in that for me. But it also just told a story that tied in that resonated with so many people that were struggling mm. and really needed direction and really needed to know that it will all be okay. And you are protected and you are loved. And there's so many cheerleaders for you here on this earth, but you know, also cheerleaders in, in the afterworld in heaven, I like to look at it. And there, you know, if you just look at yourself as you have this cheerleading team around you all day, you know, it's like going through that tunnel onto that football field. You, you know, if you have that bad moment, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> even if the, the more wild and crazy it is, those are usually the dreams that come out first. You know, those are the dreams that are on your heart for a reason. And it's like, I can do this. And I just love to be the cheerleader for people because once I learned that I can really look at it that way, it really paved the path to to really make sure that my dreams were were mine and that are coming true. So so going back a little bit, and I'm glad you said all you said that really well. That if is that one of the things that kind of that it's maybe I don't want to say it's a problem with culture or society, whatever you want to say, but it's like, you know, like you were saying, you kept moving up level after level after after level. And supposedly, you know. That's the definition of success. You know, you've aced your career. You know, you're making money. You're able to buy nice things. And but you're like you just said, you truly not thought or that's where you wanted to be. But most people get stuck in that, I don't know, that tunnel or whatever you want to say, that you know, it's like that mentality that you have to keep moving up, moving up in order to be successful. And they're afraid to say anything differently if they're not happy because they're supposed to be happy and successful. Is that kind of the issue that with people? that they just, then they don't want to take a chance and see if they can start writing books or three books in nine months. They're just like, I'll just keep going down this road because I'm making this money and this is how my life is going to be now. Well, one thing I've learned is that if you're always chasing dollar signs, you're never going to get anywhere. You're never going to be fulfilled. You're never going to be answered. And once you see wealth in your own self of like, wow, I'm in really good health. Like I know people that are struggling in their health for years, you know, and you look at that, you look at the people around you and, and you're like, gosh, I'm so wealthy with the relationships that I have in my life. And I'm so happy that I live in this wonderful home. And I'm so happy the community I have. When you see wealth in yourself and what you have and what the people around you have, that's wealth. Money doesn't I've been rich and I've been poor and I've been everything in between. And the best moments were not in a fancy restaurant with my friends and, you know, eating steak and lobster. The best nights were 
in my friend's one bedroom apartment where we're all sitting on top of each other on a Tuesday night in a corner of her kitchen having Taco Tuesday. Like those were the best nights ever. And you can't get that back, Mm. you know, and I'm so grateful for those memories and those times. And that is what is value. That is what you're going to remember when you, you, you pass on. And when you tell your grandchildren, like this was the greatest thing. It wasn't, Oh yeah. I, I had all this money and I drank really fancy champagne at a restaurant that, was kind of overrated. <laughs> is, that, is that really the story that it's like, wow, this is my life this is so great. It's like, it's really not, you know, what's your favorite pair of shoes? It's a, is it an obnoxious pair of Jimmy Cho's that break like every five minutes because <laughs> mine like walked down a New York city block and I had to get brand new, he- like the oh. actual heels broke off. Or is it those comfy sneakers that you got when you were 18 and they have holes in them and you're like, this is still the greatest. Like, I don't care. I, I know yeah. how it goes. Yeah. yeah. It's one of those things. Um, John Wilborn said this really articulately for me and that he, if you don't know who he is, he used to play football and he was kind of saying that, you know, he found out that when, you know, when you're lying on your deathbed that he never wanted to be like, damn, I wish I would have got that new iPhone or man, I wish, you know, I would have got that pair of Jimmy shoes or whatever you just said, those <laughs> shoes that it was one of those things like the experiences and memories in your life is that what you're going to hold on to the most. And I guess that's what I kind of get at. It's one of those things that, you know, someone told me once that you're not successful unless you own a Rolex. I, was like, mm, I don't, I don't believe that's true. I mean, I like, that's great. If you like watches, I'm not knocking that, you know, but it's like, I don't, your definition of success is completely different from mine. And and I think like, you know, when people start, you know, chasing these dreams and try, trying to be the CEO of a company or whatever it is, CFO, CEO, and that, you know, either it does happen or it doesn't really happen. Then there's like, it leads to other things negative in their life. And when I thought they were going to be happy, then, you know, it doesn't, you know, and then they maybe like they take those feelings and just shove them down deep inside and they never talk about it. And they just go along with life like this. And then, you know, one day just something random happens and they, you know, eventually it all comes out and they find out that, Ooh, maybe I wasn't as happy as I was. And it just leads to more problems than they originally could have had. I guess that's what I'm getting at. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot to uncover through that. So the guy who is like the Rolex is my, success you know that's sounds like uh your ego talking and you know i you know those guys that have the big fancy rolex are usually the guys that have been divorced four times and don't know what their kids are doing or how old they really are and they live in a big empty condo or they still live in a big empty house and they're fulfilling their life through things sure where it's like, look at me, look at me, but don't look at me because inside I'm really miserable and I'm sad. And, you know, really learning to unpeel those layers uh, of that ego and really get to the center of your heart, you find something completely different. And, you know, I thought when I was younger, I was going to be a doctor because all I kept seeing was myself in a white doctor's jacket because that's what I could relate to with what I wanted to do. And, you know, of course, there was no way I was going to be a doctor because I can't even handle the sight of blood. And (laughs) and I'm not the greatest patient, but healthcare found me. So I feel like that was God's way of saying, 
I'm going to show you, listen to my path. So healthcare found me and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. I, I can't be in a job where all day we're talking about taking blood from people and passing it around and what we're going to do. And I worked there for three years. I worked at a job where it was phlebotomies, which is people that take blood, mm. and <laughs> send it to the lab. <laughs> and I was like, oh, okay, well, this definitely does not want let me want to be a doctor. And then I worked in hospitals for a little while. I don't want to be a doctor, but leaving those jobs because it wasn't right for me showed me what was right. What I saw back when I was younger is that I wanted to heal hearts. I could see people and I could see their potential and what they were good at. And those are things that I'm proud of in my career. Mm. But I also saw there was a different way to heal people. And now that's what I do. I look at myself as healing hearts. But, you know, if I just looked at it as I have to be a doctor, I would have gone through all of that and been miserable. So I went down a few different paths that really built me up for what I'm doing today. But I didn't understand that or see that. But it showed me that I really understood people and what they were good at and to put them in the right place because they are following their dreams and their skill set that they match and they are happy. And the majority of people that follow their dreams end up making making money that is more than what they thought they end up having the things that they never thought they can have it it, it doesn't always relate to money but you know so many people limit themselves because of money and it's just it's an exchange of energy so if you're always chasing those rolexes and expensive cars and stupid shoes and all those things it's negative energy you know if, if it doesn't fulfill you if it's like, oh my gosh, I have this money and instead of buying a Rolex, I'm going to fund uh, a charity that that takes care of homeless people or to give to uh, to cure uh, to fund a, a cure for something or, mm. you know, to start a foundation. You know, if you take that money and do it to use it to potential to help people, that changes the energy of the of 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 money and. You know, I think that chasing dollar signs is really ugly. So I just go go back to that and unpeeling the layers of what you really are are really important. And I'm sure your friend that's the CEO, it's just more of his ego. And, you know, I'm sure he's a painter or something in there. (laughs) He's probably going to turn out to be a yoga instructor. For the record, I don't think I have any friends that are CEOs. I think (laughs) I was using that as an example, but. Oh, that's okay. Um. But, you know, touching on ego and things like that, and, you know, I've had gone back and forth with people on this, that it's one of some people have said that you can be successful without an ego. And some people say the opposite. And it's just a matter of, you know, how much do you embrace the ego and how much and how much can you take on to a certain point and how much can you leave at the door when you walk in? And I mean, is that something you think of is like, you know, can you be successful without an ego or can't you? I I 100% believe that you can. And I, you make me think of this one person that I follow because I love his path of following his heart and finding the dream that's inside of him and being like, this is crazy. Why am I doing this? And just his, his, um, his journey through faith. And I, I bring him up a few times because he became 
a voice. He did voiceover. He's an actor. And he became this starving actor. And he just came to a place where it was like, God, I don't know what you're doing to me. I have like 10 bucks in my pocket. I have no money in my bank account. Why am I here? Why am I doing this? Show, you know, can you help me out here? And he goes to his mailbox that afternoon and he has four checks in there that are royalties from a job that he had. And then he ended up getting his dream role. And now he's exploded, you know, now he's in other movies and, and doing other things and he's living his true purpose. And I follow him because he does not lead with his ego and he does not lead with, oh, now I'm successful. And, you know, like the attitude and all that stardom, it, he doesn't have that. And he loves, he's so good to the people around him and his fans. And, and you know, people sit, you know, show videos of just catching him in a moment of like, just doing things that are so selfless and, and praying with people. And just also, you know, he's a star actor and now he, you know, he's still helping people in the production side, like carry stuff from one set to the other. And, oh, wow. you, know, you know, just doing really cool stuff like that, that he's not doing it for the camera. He doesn't know people are there. And you listen to his interviews and how humble he is. And I, I look at him as a great example. I should say his name, his name is Jonathan Rumi. And I just feel like, you know, I look at somebody like that and I'm like, that's who I want to be. I want to be somebody that just lives in their dream and is so successful. They just want to share it with people and they just exude all this beautiful, positive energy. And I do believe you can be successful and not have an ego. And that's just one, you know, an artist point of view. But, you know, I do work with CEOs and people in my everyday life that are just wonderful, beautiful people. And they do have high level, uh, C-level titles and are great. And I actually have a friend that was a CEO and he, he ended up leaving his company. And I don't know, I haven't had time to catch up with him because he just dropped his daughter off at college and they traveled all summer, which was beautiful. Nice. But he's, you know, he's so humble and he's just like, I need to do something else. And from what I understand, from when I spoke to him before the summer, you know, he's just leaving to do all this philanthropic work. And I'm like, you know, I love, I love watching him and his family and his children are beautiful. And, you know, I look at him and I'm like, that is success. You, you, you are an influencer. You are a CEO. You have great kids that have big aspirations. You have a wonderful family. You give back to the community and you have, you have faith. And, you know, I think there's so many people like that, that you want us, I want to surround myself with because that energy is contagious. And, you know, being around those people is contagious. And, and so it's true. And there, there, there are people out there and, you know, become one. There's no reason yeah. why you can't become one. And there's no reason why you can't attach yourself to those, those types of people. Yeah. It's like one of those sayings that if you want to see your future, I mean, look around or look around to see who you're hanging out with, you know, who your friends are and, you know, or whatever that other saying is, you know, you're the average of the five people you hang out with the most. So obviously, you no. Know, when you surround yourself with people, you know, like you said, who are doing that philanthropy work, and you know, being in like that one actor carrying bags or whatever it was all across the set and stuff, it's like that stuff is so cool that you know you're not too big or you know you, you can leave your ego at the door and say help somebody, right? And you can do things like that. And like we were talking about earlier, people will remember that stuff for you. 
from you by, you know, rather than just saying that, you know, oh, he's just that one dude over there. It's like, oh, man, this is one guy. He helps people. He does things, you know, it's like, it's like you're living the hero, being the hero in your own movie. And I don't know why people, I don't know if it's human nature, if it's the times we live in, but I've always thought that, or had a theory that people can, you know, do everything like that, but they just choose not to for whatever reason, you know, whatever, if they just got done wrong in their life and they decide, Oh, I have to go be mean to people now. And it's like, well, no, you don't have to. I mean, you get to make these decisions each and every day. If you want to, you know, hold the door open for a stranger or, you know, I mean, little things like that. There's little random acts of kindness that go a long way that you never think about. And this that I never get why maybe it's just oblivious to people. I don't know. But for some reason in my head that I always think that people can do those little things. It's just, be more self-aware and figure it out along the way. I'm not really sure where I was going with that point, but I was just one of those things that I think most people can be these type of people that they want to be. They just choose not to, for whatever reason, you know, they, they have a bad day and they just take it out on the world. Yeah. And I, I was that person at one point because I was in a, you know, a job that everybody around me was angry. Mm. And, you know, I'd come in and be all like, Hey guys, we start today. It's going to be great, but it wears on you. You know, then by the end, you know, by three, four o'clock, I'm cursing and throwing things all over the place and calling people in my room just to get be mad at them and slamming doors. And, you know, like when I look at it, I'm like, I was so disgusting. Like that makes me sick to know that I did that or I acted that way or lashed out at people. And now, you know, when somebody gets angry around me, I'm like, like a lot of that all those old feelings of gosh it really takes a lot out of you to build that anger sure really really does and once you recognize how ugly and how you know you look in the mirror and you're just like I don't know who that person is anymore I mean that's when you really have to realize you're not living your true potential and you're not living your true self and there's something wrong there and you need to you need to look into that because you can turn it around. You can change it. You know, those, you know, we can, we all do it. We don't realize we do it. Like you can come in one day and be in a bad mood and just watch how the rest of the room turns into a bad mood. You can come in and be in a great mood and watch how that changes the people around you. So it is up to all of us to bring it to the table, but it's not easy. And I, Brene Brown, um, she had an interview where she says about, you know, her and her husband have this pact that every day they wake up and they're like, how much can you give today? You know, like our family, our kids, what is it, the percentage that you can give? Like, can you give your 50%? He'll be like, well, I can give 25. It's like, all right, good. I'll I'll figure out the other 25. I'll give the 75 today. You know, like the exchange of like how we're going to feel in the day. And that's a good way. It's a good exercise in your family of, hey, you know, I don't, I can't bring it every day. I need some help here. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it's a good exercise to try to bring it to your workplace too. Of have a work meeting of like, all right, guys, you know, I was up all night. I don't feel good. And I know we got three big accounts to land today. All right, who's got it today? You know, who can bring it today because I'm feeling weak. And I think that brings a great leader to be like, this is who I am today. This is what I can do today. And I need my team to bring it because we're a team and we're here for a reason. Yeah. You know, it's one of those things that, you know, in talking about, you know, when you would go into work and you would have this, you know, great attitude. And by the end of the day, you were throwing papers and cussing. But 
you know, I, I wonder if that's an issue with, you know, I've never worked in corporate America, you know, mainly work in higher education my whole career. But, and it's almost the same way, this is my point, that it's almost the same way in higher education that is everywhere else in corporate America that no matter what, nothing is ever really good enough. And I guess what I mean by that, it's like, you know, they're, everyone's always working for next year. You know, oh, we have to have higher enrollment. Oh, corporate America, we have to get, you know, 10% better in sales. And like, it's always, we got to do better. We got to do better. We got to do better, you know, and it's just, and I get that, you know, I mean, everyone loves money. So like, that's how you keep your jobs and everything. But it's just like, but do we, I mean, how much better do we have to do? I mean, do we really have to keep putting all this stress on here to keep better, to keep saying ourselves or applying ourselves to this? I mean, yeah, I mean, I'm not saying what's failed every year, but and that, that stress just keeps causing so much more anxiety to people. And, you know, they have those negative attitudes going into work every day just because it's like, man, it's going to be one of those days. I didn't, weren't able to land those three accounts. And now the boss is going to get mad because we can't make the projections on sales. And it's just like, when does it stop? I mean, can we just come to a number? It's like, that was good. We did it this year. Y'all, why does it always got to be better than the, the previous year? And like I said, you know, it's growth. It's, I know we're trying to do big things here in this world. And that's kind of what, why America's, you know, where we're at today, but you know, it, it goes along with like, you know, the iPhone 13s and now we get the iPhone 14 coming out. It's like, do we really need an iPhone, a new iPhone 14? You know, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how much better is it, you know, than the previous year, you know, it's just like, can we just stop and take a year off? Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know? Look, I'm still trying to figure out the 12th. Like. Exactly. Yeah. Take a minute, you know, and I mean, I, I guess, I don't know, maybe that's a very poor way of putting things, but it's just that, you know, it just it doesn't make sense to me that, okay, you know, and going back on the iPhone example, just that, okay, you made the camera a little bit better. Do I really need that though? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, do I really, I mean, we did, we're, we've been, you know, as long as we're making money in corporate America, why do we need to keep saying, putting this extra pressure on our employees and just give them a thank you. It's like, Hey, we did well this year. Yeah. Well, I think there's so much value in everything that you said, and I want to try to address all of it. So if you're in exactly, this is exactly what I, I thrived at when I was in corporate America was exactly, you said like that sales and that pressure stressed me. Sure. That is not the right place for you. Right. So to be in that stressful, like make your numbers, do that. That is one of the top things that people. Morning, because they built it up all Sunday night. I don't want to go there. Oh, my God. Am I going to make this quota? This isn't my thing. And then there's the guy that's up at 4 a.m. Can't wait to get to work because he's like, I don't know how we're going to do it, but I'm going to tackle it. I'm going to get five clients instead of three clients. And it's going to be amazing. You know, and it's it's the drive. So if that's not your drive, that is beyond stressful place and environment to be in in that position. So that that right away is a flag to me if you're not in the right job. As for, you know, going from the next iPhone 208, wherever we are right now. I'm not sure. Because again, I still am learning things about the 12 that I wasn't, I didn't even want, but I gave my phone to my dad and upgraded myself. Nice. So um, there's a, a level of conditioning. And yes, do companies take advantage of that? Of You have to have it. Oh my God, this camera's better. I don't know what it is, but you're going to love it. And you got to have it. Yeah. And we, we get into that cycle. And I think we're at this place now of like, I'm sick of this. I don't need the 14. I'm staying with the 12 for the next 12 years sure. and it better work. And, but there is a conditioning. So I, I think of the cars and my neighbor every day is like, 
I'm just going to wait till the cars drive themselves. And then, <laughs> I will, yeah, that's great. But they're conditioning us on the cars of getting there. So, you know, there's those, the, the cameras that alert you, there's someone to the left, someone to the right, front and back of you, the right, cars right. that can stop by themselves, the cars that can park themselves. And, you know, if we went from zero to 60, we'd all go wild. And especially with the phone, if we went from the flip phone to iPhone 14, I mean, none of us would understand or how to do it. So there is a level of conditioning because we're all in a learning curve and we're all getting there with our own ways of learning. And, you know, I can absorb it in five minutes and it could take somebody else two days, you know, or, or I'm still learning the 12. So to me to get the 14, I'd be like, I don't know. I got a new car last year because my lease was up and it took me 10 minutes to figure out how to turn it on. And I'm like, I know it's a button. I know it's somewhere. And then I couldn't even get it into, into gear because it's like a button and a, and a turn. And I'm like, oh my God, I, I don't even know I could drive this. But if if I went from, you know, a 1988 Subaru into a 2002 SUV, mm-hmm. oh my God. And I had a neighbor that, she was 95 and she was still driving and she had the same car for a decent amount of time. She got a brand new Maxima and she would leave the car on and she'd park it in the garage. And thankfully I, I learned this and I would go and check because she, it wasn't a turnkey and it was so silent. She couldn't hear it. Oh, you know, you know, we're all in a rhythm of like how to do, you know, like I turn the car off. I yeah. put the keys in my pocket. I lock the door. It was all so new. She'd be like questioning herself, like, well, I don't hear anything and I don't have to see the key. So I guess it's off. And she'd get out of the car and close the door. Sure. You know, so we're all you have to think of like every level and how to get there. Um, so, you know, that's how I feel about that. The conditioning of getting us to the self-driven car and to that iPhone 14. But at the same time, do I think that they take advantage of us with all the marketing and and you know the pricing and everything? Yeah, I mean that's another podcast. Yeah, of course. (laughs) But as for you know individuals in that stressful situation at their job and being in that conditioning phase, you get you get two things. So you get the people that phase out be like okay i just come here i punch in the clock at nine i'm out at five whatever you need me to do i'm going to do it or you know the sales guys that get overly stressed out and will stay up 24 7 and do whatever they can and they'll a lot of them you know cut corners to get there um and then there's the guys that thrive so if you're looking at the this whole situation there's so much to be told you know, I I had um, a perfect situation that was a sales situation with with one of my employees, and she was always going on sales calls. She was just a supervisor um, for it was it is in the phlebotomy stations that I spoke of. She was a supervisor, but she was amazing at knowledge, and she knew everything about the job, and she could talk to doctors and give them so much detail of what they wanted. And the salespeople were like salespeople. So they would bring her on all her sales calls and she's exhausted because she can't do her job because she's on all these sales calls. And then she's staying up late. She happened to just become a single mom and she's waking up early with her daughter and she's failing. And I'm like, what's going on? And she's so stressed out. I'm like, I don't understand. Find all this out that she's going on all these sales calls. And I'm like, this is wrong. You're in the wrong job. Ended up getting her into sales 
she's not even there three months. She needs sales manager because she just could override every single person in that department, making more money than she ever believed she ever could. And she was able to work the hours she needed to work to be with her daughter to get her job done and not overstress and work herself. So, you know, it's about putting people in the right places and where their drive is and what they're really good at and their skill set and where what's really in their heart that makes them want to come to work every day. So I most, hope, I'm sorry. Do you think most people know how to find their skill set and their drive? I mean, and I guess what I'm asking is that, you know, I'm wondering if young generations are having trouble in today's world, finding their passions and what they're, they want to do for the rest of their life. And because I wonder if it's information overload, if I wonder, you know, they, they, you know, with podcasts, YouTube, schools, uh, books, audio books, that so much comes at them that, you know, it's in like, you know, do, do, what, how do I know what I want to do? You know, then they start on a path and they might fail. Then they say, well, maybe I'll go take path B and they fail that path. And then, you know, because, you know, I, I changed majors three or four times and I still, you know, I had no clue what I wanted to do, but I think I found my niche and I'm really enjoying my career now. But I think younger generations with, I guess, social media and everything else, they're having trouble finding that. Could be wrong. I'm probably the last person should be even talking about that. But no, I think you you're absolutely right. I think you're 100 percent right. It's there's too much information. There's too many avenues of where to find information. Mm. And, you know, you get stuck in a loop. So you get stuck in an algorithm, mm. right? You look up one thing and then it, it multiplies like, oh, yeah, you want to dye your hair green? Well, oh, my God, everybody's doing it. Everybody's dying their hair green. You should do it. I think you should you should be that. And you, you get stuck. Like where I went to college, it was either you become a school teacher or you become an accountant. I'm like, sure. I don't want to do either one. You know, but you're conditioned of like, well, this is what it is. And like this, everybody around you is doing it. And like, this is what you're, you're in this blinders of this is what we, you're, you're here and this is what you can get. And that's it. Um, So I think it is very confusing to kids. And I think that we're not teaching them the right things. And maybe I'm going to get, get cut off for saying that, but. (laughs) No, 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 because I agree with you that. You know, I, I've had these conversations before that, you know, are when you say, are we teaching them the right things? I mean, you know, I, I major in PE and I don't know what PE ma- teachers are doing nowadays and how you even, you know, how do you even teach in a virtual world when, you know, COVID was going on that or teach PE anyway. And so, you know, and sometimes people like to say, well, we're not teaching not I mean, not only students, but just teaching them people in general, you know, we're teaching them what to think and not really how to think anymore. And that people like the easy roads and being told what to do and just, you know, go work the eight to five and then come home and start drinking beer and watching Netflix because that's their escape or whatever. And that's generally speaking, I'm not saying that for everybody, but, you know, they just want to be told like, hey, just keep doing this for the next 30 years and then go drink margaritas on the beach until you (laughs) feel like uh, until you go into the afterlife or whatever it is. And so, and they, and they just, you know, they don't want to, they're just like, okay, that's what I'm going to do then. You know, I'm not going to think for myself or I'm not going to challenge the status quo. You know, does that kind of make sense? That Oh, totally. Okay. Totally makes sense. And yeah, I, when I worked in printing, you know, there, there was a whole bunch of guys that were actual typesetters. So they actually wrapped type 
that were, was like a sentence. So oh, wow. <laughs> this is all old school printing, right? Okay. And right when I got there, it just went digital. And yeah, it wasn't in the ice ages and I'm not 105, I promise. But, <laughs> um, but I, when I started, they're like, do you know what I'm going to retire? I'm going to retire in eight years and three days. And, blah, blah, blah. and I'm like, okay, like, wow, that we got some time here. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, it, you know, those days came closer and closer. And they were like, I can't wait to retire. It's going to be in five days. It's going to be fun. And, you know, we had the big retirement party and everything. And then Monday comes and they're back. And you're like, we, I thought, didn't, didn't we just throw you a party? Didn't we just talk about this for the past 10 years? Like, what? why are you still here? They're like, I don't know what to do. You know, like for me, you know, I was just hearing the story in the flyby. Like, okay, that's great. Oh, excited for you. But I never, I always thought that there was this grandiose plan. You yeah. know, like we're doing the countdown. We're going here. And they had no plan. And they like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And I had a neighbor that was the same thing. She was in education. She was in the, she worked in the library and she was like, I'm going to retire. I'm going to retire. I can't wait to retire. And she went into the hugest depression because she retired and she didn't know what to do. She didn't have a plan. And I think that that's part of what you said of, are we teaching kids? Well, I think I said, are we teaching kids the right thing? But, you know, should our kids are like stuck somewhere because there's too much information and there's no direction. And in, we're in this world of like, you could be whatever you want and, you know, you can call yourself whatever you want. And, you know, I'm not I'm not saying that to be obnoxious. I'm just saying sure. there's so much of we're giving kids this responsibility so young to make these choices, but we're not telling them what it looks like or what it's all about. You know, if you're being told you're going to be a farmer and you live in the city and you're like, I don't never seen a cow in my life. How's, you know, you think you're going to just work in whole whole foods your whole life. You're going to be like, I'm just going to go to the whole foods and like <laughs> throw produce around. No, you, you know, I mean, you got to tell people what it looks like. You've got to show them what it looks like, you know, take them to the farm. Hey, maybe you would really love this. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I seem to like goats a lot. And yeah, I'm going to spend some time here, you know, it's a conditioning, but it's also, you have to look at, does that drive that kid? And yeah. when I said, I think we're teaching kids the wrong things, I think we should be showing them the world. You know, I have so many friends that are taking their kids out of school and homeschooling. Nice. And I have one friend that takes her kids every twice a year, they go across the content continent and back and they stop in all these major cities and, and not so major cities and they have a plan of like learning what the rest of America is doing and what it looks like and what it's about. And I think it's fascinating because she, you know, videos the whole thing. And I'm like, I'm going to learn something today. <laughs> I'm getting homeschooled today. But are we teaching them fundamentals, like what it really looks like to work in an office, what it looks like to be in technology or in a school teacher setting, you know, and not sitting in a classroom or being a doctor or a real estate agent, you know, are we teaching them what that really looks like so that they can go to school for the right things? Because, you know, going to school just to finish four years of college and going to high school just to say, I went to high school. I mean, what are you really learning? You're learning literature that you're going to, what does that do? Is that, does that do something for you? You're learning all this math. What does that do for you? What are you going to do with that? 
And I'm not saying that we don't need it and you need it, but we should be focused on what they're learning how to be themselves and what is really good for them. To your point, um, I agree with that. And I can't remember what culture does this. I want to say it's the Netherlands or it's, it's not in America, obviously, but I can't remember off the top of my head. I'll look it up and put it in the show notes or something, but um, after college or after high school, I can't remember, but they take a year off from not even going into the world or the job world or whatever you want to say. And they actually start traveling. And I, and I hate that I'm using the word they, cause I can't remember which country it is, but <laughs> they, um, yeah, they move around and they have these life experiences and they take chances on things and they find out like. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. Maybe I want to go be a farmer, you know, like you said, and they go try it out, you know, and they find out, oh, well, I didn't, I didn't like that. Let's go do something else. And my point is that, you know, that's kind of what, you know, how I find myself, you know, doing things is these experiences in life and traveling places and, you know, doing something by myself and learning about myself at the same time and learning like, you know, what does Chris really like? Is that really cool? Did I really want to do that? I mean, you know, or am I just doing it because I was, you know, told I had to do this, you know, and now I can actually you know, if you find that passion, if you find what you're that drive for, you can actually turn that into whatever you want then, you know, and, and have this huge autonomous world to yourself rather than, you know, walking into the corporate world or wherever you're at and just hoping that, you know, your boss is having a good day and, you know, you don't have to actually, actually, you know, there's a good book and this is not my point, but there's a book where it actually just talks about how many people are faking for eight hours, how they're actually working. Oh, yeah. Not yet, oh, not yeah. even working. And that's like their whole thing is just to make it look like to the best of their ability, they're actually doing work. Yeah. And, you know, and just like there is a term for it. I don't remember. Well, uh, I remember the book. The book's called Bullshit Jobs, but I can't remember what the term is. But anyway, but yeah, it's just like, you know, like I said, you finally find that, that, you know, that autonomy and that you can, ooh, now I don't, I can go write my books, you know, and I don't have to have that stress and my, you know, your mental health just goes up a hundred percent, you know, and cause you know that you're doing everything for yourself rather than just for somebody else. And maybe I lost my point for there, but I guess is what, that's what this world needs. Like that's, I guess to your point. Yeah. Like, yeah. But I, I'm going to take it a step further, Keep it going. And, you know, not only like, you know, graduate high school and take some time to learn, learn on your own of like, I want to learn this before you make a choice to, you know, attach yourself to a college, if that's the right thing for you. But I also think, you know, you, you change, right? So you, you go into the workforce at like, let's say we, we think it's like 23. And then when you're 43, I think there should be a life expectancy for jobs of like, 
this job, you know, how many people sit in a job for over 20 plus years sure. and they're stale and then the company's stale, but they're like, can't get rid of somebody because it's politically incorrect. But, you know, make contracts different of like this job has a life expectancy of five years. And this is where we, you know, what your path is. And I think at a midpoint of your life, you should take a year or two off and be like, I'm a different person. You know, I, I I started this career when I was 20 something and I've, I've accomplished it. It's good. I'm done. But now I need to take a little break because I think you need a break in the middle of your life and reinvent it and be like, you know what? I worked really hard. I, I, I knew what my path was going to be. I was going to do this career for so many years and then I was going to work my way to here. And then at this point, just say goodbye take a little time. And now, now I want to be an artist or now I do want to be a teacher. I was in banking forever. And now I want to be, do something to give back or something less. And maybe it could be something more. Everybody's going to be different, but I think it should be allowed to, and, and culturally correct to take that and be able to say in your middle of your life, like my life is completely different than what I thought. And yeah. I need to change it. And, and for that to be okay. Does that make sense? <laughs> no, it makes perfect sense. And that, I, and I guess what I was thinking about is that, you know, people so badly want to do that. And, you know, I don't know if they actually even want to say that out loud, but deep in their subconscious, that's probably, you know, generally speaking, what they're thinking that, oh, why, you know, at 27, maybe I do want to go, you know, start, you know, being a painter or whatever it is, you know, write books. And, but, you know, it's it's where they, you know, people get trapped and they have a family. And I'm not saying anything negative about this, but, you know, they start depending on this money and that career. And they're just like, you know, I can't just give up my career and just start being a painter or entrepreneur or whatever. I mean, how am I going to feed, you know, the dog? How am I going to feed the kids? You know, how am I going to get them through their world? I mean, how can I make a better life for them, you know, than what I had? And I get that, you know, there's morals and values and that's great along the way. But I mean, you know, I mean, you got. Is there a way to, you know, I'm not saying just to quit your nine to five or whatever it is, but, you know, somewhere along the way, it's like taking a chance, you know, like baby steps and like, mm -hmm. okay, well, maybe I'll put an hour of my day aside and work on this side hustle or, or this, if I want to be a woodworker or painter or farmer, like we just said, you know, just start seeing what we're going to do, start seeing, making little steps towards it. Because if you don't do anything, then you'll never do nothing. You know, if you really want to do something, you'll do it. And, you know, that's kind of one of the things with this podcast that, you know, I had this idea of doing it, you know, back in 2017, 2018, but somebody told me, it's like, why, you know, you're not going to make any money out of it. And I said, well, that's not the reason I want to do it. You know, I want to be able to explore thoughts and ideas and, you know, get out of, you know, this one lane thinking and look at things into a different perspective. And, you know, and I finally just decided, you know what, I'm going to block out the mechanisms. I'm just going to do it, you know, and if it's trash, whatever, I'm going to do it. Who cares? You know, I'm doing it for me. And that's what more people just need to do is just decide that, you know, if they really, and I firmly believe that if you really, really, really want to do something, you'll find a way to do it. And you won't come up with the, there's always a million reasons to say no to something, you know, like, oh, I'll start my diet Monday, you know, oh, I'll fill that application out next week. And, but it's like, well, you know, you just don't want to do it. I mean, yeah, you can do it. Just do it. I mean, it's it's easy. Take 10 minutes, take an hour, take whatever little time you have to go do something, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's that's where uh, clients come to me and they're like, it's the fear. There's a huge fear factor. Fear. And 
you know, I, I, I'm a big advocate of you can do it and it's scary, but you need somebody to hold you through that cloud of dust. And no, I don't think you should just stand up and quit your job because you're miserable and you're going to figure it out. I don't think that's the greatest idea, especially in this economy, but Hey, let's work on a roadmap of what it looks like and get you there. Let's get you there. You know, let's approach everything. Like what, kind of savings do you have? What kind of job do you want to go into? Do you need to go back to school? Do you need to move? You know, let's make sure that you're in good health. Let's make sure that your relationships are in a good place. Let's make sure that you're connected to uh, the spiritual world, whatever that looks like for you, and that you're a solid person. So when you're, you're building this plan, you know exactly when that time is to say, okay, I'm ready to walk away from my career because this is where I'm, what I'm doing and where I'm going. And then it's that huge selling point to everybody around you, right? So your wife comes home, she's all excited and she's like, oh my God, I met this woman today and I met with her and oh my God, I'm going to leave my job and <laughs> I'm going to, uh, I don't know. Climb Kilimanjaro. Like, nice. You're like, wait, you're leaving your job and you're going where? <laughs> and, you know, like you have to condition the people around you. But if you don't have a solid plan or a solid path, no one's going to be on board with you. So it's about saying, I want to do this and I need to convince I need to put it myself and when I say convince yourself like you need to make sure all the checks are right for yourself so if you're like I'm going to go jump out of a plane like let's think about that (laughs) (laughs) is that let's let's look into that a little bit more and if 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 it's yours you will get there Mm. um you know what is it about jumping out of a plane that really excites you you know and you know have you looked through everything you know so it's not saying no to people because i i 100% believe do not believe in dream crushing but i believe there's realistic ways of looking through a dream and seeing the realistic of it and that's part of the the road mapping that i work on with people but it's also being able to talk to your talk about your plan so you know your wife comes home and it's like chris um I need to tell you something is pretty serious. I'm planning on leaving my job because I'm going back to school and I want to become a nurse. And I understand that money's tight right now, but I have a plan and I need to know if you're on board because I'm doing it, mm. you know? And it's not like, oh, he said, no, get rid of him. It's okay. I know that when I'm having, a, I'm doing this and I'm asking a lot of him, but I understand that, when I'm when I'm in a, a rough spot and I need some support, he may not be my number one person for this avenue <laughs> to go through. It might be my mom. It might be my sister. It might be my best friend. And I know my husband's there for me, but not I'm not necessarily the first person. So you know, it's going through your network of your support team, and you know who's on board and who's not on board, and how you 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 have to work through that of. You know, hey, um, I, I, I need to work through this with my spouse because you know this is something I want, and I need to let, I need to get him on board with me. I need to get him to understand, and vice versa. And I'm just, I'm using a husband and wife as an example because that's the first person you you usually go to. Sure. 
Um, so it is a level of conditioning the people around you and, you know, having those milestones along the way to get to where you're getting and to be able to show that and share that with people so that they're like, you're really serious about this and I get it and I'm with you and I'm on board. And that's part of the hardest part is having that first conversation. Like I want to do this, you know, so making sure you're, you're ready for that conversation and make, making sure that you, you have a solid plan to get implemented and get to your dreams. You know, I know you're a, a coach and is that what we're talking about? Is this what we're talking about? Like a lot, what a lot of people come to you for is like, Hey, I want to learn to find my passion. I want to learn to get out of my own way and take a chance on something and maybe jump out of a plane or something. Is that, I mean, not the example, but is that kind of what the common theme is or is it just, what is it? I think it could start in many different ways. It could be like, oh, I would love to jump out of a plane, but, 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 and it's like, oh, all right, let's, why don't you do it? Let's plan it out. Let's do it. Sure. But more I see is the, I hate my job. Uh, it makes me sick. Uh, I'm fighting with my spouse. I'm not happy about how I look. Um, I'm so broke. I'm never going to be able to go on that vacation. Uh, I'll never get that house. So those are really the places where people are like uncomfortable. They don't know what to do. They're not sure what it is. So they, they'll blame their spouse because their job it, it is is not working out for them or vice versa. The job's not working out because we're fighting. It's like, well, there's a whole avenue here of what's going on, you know? So if you're not happy at your job, you're going to bring that home. You know, you're going to bring that angry anger and upset and what we were saying about the slamming doors and throwing papers and cursing people <laughs> out. And then, you know, you come home and you're angry and you're doing all that. And then, yeah, you go and grab the beer and just veg out on Netflix and tune everybody out and, you know, all you're dreaming about is that Rolex. And it's like, well, let's let's relook at all of this because there's something wrong here and you're in the wrong place. And let's figure out what the wrong place is and get you in the right place. And is it I'm afraid to leave my job as a banker because I really just want to go and work on a farm and, and paint and feed goats. And <laughs> all right, that sounds great. But why? Uh, I'm afraid to tell my wife because she'll hate me and she'll leave me. Well, let's work on the plan. Let's make sure that this is what's right for you. And let's put what it looks like and let's condition the situation for her to be on board, you know? Yeah. And is it always easy to blame others for your problems? And we always, take responsibility? We always blame them. I mean, my gosh, my, my parents, I mean, I have a book about it, <laughs> <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. But there comes a point of like, I'm just throwing daggers at them because it's easy, you sure. know, and yes, I mean, nobody's perfect, but Hey, I have a, a very good childhood. You know, they've always been good to me and we don't always see eye to eye, but you know, we all try to come together and we're all help each other and support each other. And I don't know where I'd be without them, but sure. I mean, we all love to point a finger at somebody cause it's never us, right? We're never always, perfect always angels. So. And, you know, it's hard to reflect into yourself of, you know, what I, I was wrong in this situation and you have a choice of you can make it better. You can it, there's ways of asking people for forgiveness without coming through with the box of chocolate and flowers and be like, please, please forgive me, forgive me. 
you know, there's acts of kindness. There's ways to show that you've grown past the situation. The ways of giving back to somebody in a way that they just wouldn't expect. And, you know, I, I ask people to make a forgiveness journal of people, like a hundred people that you should forgive hmm. and a hundred people that should forgive you. And you just every day take one of those people on either side of the fence and ask for forgiveness. And, you know, it could be just saying it out loud. It could be having a conversation with them. It could be just doing an act of kindness for them. You know, there's different ways for different situations, but let's just say we were fighting and, you know, we don't even live in the same state. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, I haven't spoke to Chris and he was a good friend of mine. Um, I know he's mad at me. I don't know how I could feel about picking up the phone. But you know what? I just want to put it out there. Of I, for, I, I hope he forgives me for everything that I've done. And I'm sorry if I hurt him. And just putting it out there, you'd be surprised. You know, it's one of those things where they're like, hey, I was just thinking about you. And I felt like calling you. I don't know. Or, oh, my God, I heard this song. I haven't heard it since the last time we hung out. You know, it, 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 there's those little things that come oh. up of like, hey, there's a level of forgiveness in that air. And you feel it, even though you might not have heard the words, you know, there's ways of feeling it. And that really, really makes a big difference. And it, it works. That whole process really works. What were, what were you thinking when, you know, you decided you're leaving that COO job? Like, were you stressed? Was it just like you knew, like, you know, you put it out there and you knew it was the right choice? I mean, did you have no clue that what you were doing and you were just taking a, you know, that leap of faith? And I mean, I mean, what was that like for you? I mean, was it just... Like, oh, this is this is my time. I know it. I just know it. Or um I, you know what? I was gonna die if I stayed there. I would have died. And I would have uh oh, you freeze. One day, um, you know, I just hope that I don't wake up. Um, I hope I get into a car accident. You know, I was praying for all of those things. And I was like, just praying to God of like, why am I here? What I, this is the worst thing I've ever done. And I, I was told that this is, I wasn't told by God because I wasn't listening to him. I was told by the people around me, oh, no, 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 you got to get this job. Oh, well, you'll be great. Oh, you'll love it. Oh, you're so good at what you do. And I hated it. And I hated going there and saying, hate is a horrible thing. You should never say you hate something in your life. But that was the words in my in my head. And those were the words coming out. And I was like, if I stay here, I'll probably be dead in six months. And that was like, that shouldn't be my path. And I just asked God, help me. Would it help me to do the right thing? And he's like, leave. Why can't you just leave? Hmm. And I was like, you're right. And you know, I had the conversations and, you know, there was paperwork and, and I felt like I, I bought myself another life that day. Wow. I, I, I you know, I, I felt like I walked Powerful. a, a huge alleviated alleviation of all that hatred. And, you know, it was, it was weird. Cause it was, you know, what am I doing at home? I, I'm not one that's good at sitting at home doing nothing, you know, but it was finding what I needed to do. But, you know, he told me to write and I'm like, well, you led me in the right direction. And I'm finally listening. So I'm going to start writing. And that was my escape. Um, 
And I wrote one book and I was like, I'm not done. I was so emotionally drawn into the characters and what it was about. So I, I wrote a sequel to that book. And then I was done with those characters, but I had some relationship issues with people, you know, with family, with friends, you know, with the gentleman I was dating at the time. And, you know, I was not seeing things through the right lens. I was seeing things through the victim of like, well, you, it's your fault. This is your, and instead of saying, you know, I wasn't a good person and I wasn't, I didn't always do the right thing and I need to change. And so I needed to start that forgiveness trail and I really needed to write to see things through other people's lenses. And that changed me too, because it was not only a level of forgiveness um, and seeing things through someone else's eyes, it was also a level of knowing that I'm always loved and protected. And so was everybody else around me. So I just use those books as showing a crazy wild journey of, you know, you can have your dreams and you uh, deserve them and you're protected and you're loved and it's all there for you. Yeah. You know, writing's very powerful stuff and that's yeah. something I've been slowly learning over this life path of mine or whatever. And that, you know, and you said that really well that, you know, you, you start to wonder about whatever topics you want to, you have in your head and then you start writing and you get your thoughts out and then you go back and reread them and see like, you know, what your justification was, why you thought that, but then, you know, you can actually, you know, and that's one of the good things about these podcasts. You can actually, you know, talk to people and learn like their perspective and what, you know, how they see things. And there's like, well, let me take a minute. Like, why do they see it that way? You know, what life experience and journey, whatever you want to say, you know, brought them to think the way they thought, think about, you know, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. And then, you know, you can start to find common ground and, you know, you don't actually have to prove, you know, you're right or you're wrong or whatever that, and, you know, and I'm not, you know, everybody wants to be right, of course, but, you know, you don't have to actually play that blame game and be like, Ooh, you know, I'm right. And they're wrong. You know, just let me sit, let me just take a minute and figure it out. And just like what happened along their life path to make them think the way they did. Then you can just, you know, write about it. And it's cool to like to even put both perspectives on there because there's so much that, you know, I find myself being like, you know, like, well, how do I really think about, you know, whatever it is, you know, I don't know. We were, I, we were talking about, you know, uh, depression on the way on a road trip this weekend for whatever reason. I don't know how it came up, but we were just talking about like how people get depressed and why they, they actually think they're depressed. And I was like, but I never knew because, you know, it was just one of those things I've never really thought about before. And because it's one of those things that I feel like I th say things are really easy that, you know, if you want to go walk a mile, then go do it, you know, but it's some people just, there's something in their head. There's a chemical imbalance. They just can't do it. And that was, you know, when I write and when I try to write, I guess it is, I don't do it as much as I want to. And that's just my own fault, but you start to learn and build these thoughts and articulate it very well. Of like, okay, now I'm starting to see everything in a picture. And I guess everyone learns differently, but it's for me, I don't know if that muse is coming to me right then. And it's just like, Oh, this is making more sense rather than me just keep it in my head and try to think of it that way. So Okay. Yeah, writing. So that might be a little bit of a rant, but I was hoping that kind of made sense. It made sense <laughs> in my head when I was saying it. Yeah, no, it does. Yeah, writing is very powerful, and you know, you you can get so much out just journaling and putting things on paper. And I tried over the summer to do the voice recognition to finish the book that I'm writing now, and I'm like, oh, this is going to be great, and it's just not the same. Uh, it's just, I can't, it's something about 
you know, putting it on paper, even though I'm, I'm typing, but yeah, I can't, I can't, I don't know, maybe I was just programmed that way once upon a time, but you know, it's powerful to put things in words and it's powerful for people to read it too. Sure. And, you know, you have to be very careful about, you know, I write fiction novels and, you know, if there's anything sensitive to somebody, I make sure that they know about it. Cause it's like, yeah, this might resemble a little bit of something you went through. I just want to make sure you understand, you know, it wasn't to right. hurt you or anything and make sure you're comfortable before I publish it. Um, because people are affected by, you know, seeing, seeing, seeing a reflection of themselves in a book or, you know, in a blog or something get that can really strike a chord with them. And, um, you know, it is a powerful, powerful tool. And it's wonderful to know that people still read and look to reading. And especially now with there's so much to watch, mm. so much junk out there uh, to just fall back and, and lean on a, a good book. So well, I think it's coming back around that, you know, reading is seems to be cool now. Like it's a trend. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, back in maybe in my era when elementary and stuff that, you know, you were a nerd if you read a lot, right? <laughs> but, you know, and, and to that point that, you know, like that conversation is like, you know, like, you know, you, with these information overload that we were talking about, you know, you get to listen to your heroes or whoever on podcasts, they talk about, you know, like, hey, yeah, I enjoy reading. I enjoy going to my favorite Barnes and Noble or library or whatever and just, coffee shop and just reading a book and that is like oh wait he reads like that's cool like i didn't know you know aaron Rodgers is out here reading a book you know <laughs> yeah and that uh, <laughs> you know and one of those things that everyone used to think about you know like yoga and mindset stuff was just for you know and i'm not saying this isn't a derogatory term but you know hippie stuff you know like oh, only hippies do that but now it's actually coming out you know like athletes and stuff and people do a lot of yoga you know like especially like jujitsu fighters you know crossfitters and stuff and like how much benefits there are to the body and it's like hey now that's cool too now you know and it's just, people are finding more information out that this stuff really benefits people more than they thought rather than just having that stereotypical term where it was just oh that's only for you know hippies and nerds but it's not you know and just that and it's becoming more powerful i think and maybe i'm wrong but i just like I said, it seems like to be the cool thing to do now because you you learn and you can have different perspectives on stuff. And and then when you actually talk to people, you can actually say something about a certain topic rather than just saying that was a cool Netflix show I watched last night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I feel like it's coming back around that it is pretty cool, you know, and, and plus all these companies like Audible are making it where you can you know, listen to books. And that's normally how I get all my information in just because I like to do that and take my dogs for a walk at the same time. I was like killing it today, you know, getting everything done. Yeah. 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 But I don't know. I feel I like, like audio books too. Yeah. You know, I know a bunch of people during the pandemic that went and became a yoga instructor because mm. they found peace in it and, you know, used it as such a great tool, you know, being cooped up and, you know, needing to center themselves. So I, I do yoga. I am not all, you have to have like the greatest instructor. <laughs> I will say that's to me is the key to, sure, you gotta to have a good, one. good yoga, have a really good instructor. And there's, there's, there is really good instructors out there for sure. I find I use some of the yoga in, in a lot of meditations that I do. And 
I am certified in meditation. So I kind of, yeah, I stick to, to more the meditation and less of the yoga, but I do see that in the future, I'll, I'll, I'll evolve into doing more yoga because, you know, you learn a lot about breath work as well in meditation and, you know, of the effects of that. And then once you learn how to really get down the breath work the right way, then you want to be able to use that to get into these poses as that changes it too. And it's just, you know, growing your body and it's so much kinder than CrossFit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, even, even with meditations, that's a good point. That was another thing I was trying to say that, you know, more people, popular people, athletes, you know, very, you know, president, I don't know about presidents, but, you know, really popular celebrities are saying they do, they meditate every day, whether it's 15 minutes, 10 minutes a day, you know, even entrepreneurs, you know, like really successful people saying like, Hey, get up. And that's one of the first things they do is, you know, meditate, meditate for 10 minutes alone, you know, and it's just like, Hey, that's actually a good idea to incorporate into my routine on a daily basis. And yeah, it's one of the cool things I think it used to be looked down upon that people were just like, Oh, that's not good for anybody. That's just a waste of time. But it's like, no, we're learning that, you know, taking 15 minutes and just sitting by yourself and, you know, there's obviously, you know, better than I do. There's many ways to do it, but, you know, just resetting the batteries, resetting the mind for a few minutes and just, okay, now let's go pack and take on the day now, you know, got that oh, out of the way. I, I worked out my thoughts. I figured out what I need to do. I feel better about myself. And then bam, you can go do big things in the world. Yeah. And I think just a few minutes, you know, exactly when you wake up and just having a routine of, even if it's just a minute, I, I mean, I like to say to just have your mantra ready of, you know, your goals and your dreams uh, and, and recite them and just be like, I know today is going to be a great day. I know I'm one step further. I know today it's something huge is going to happen and, you know, I'm going to let it happen. I'm so excited. That changes your day. And, you know, having a few minutes every day to just sit and do some, re- have, you know, proper breathing And, you know, reciting your mantra or getting yourself out of uh, a situation like I I have one client that she's she's trying to learn how to she she wants to uh, she jumps at somebody and then it's like, wait, I shouldn't be here. So it's like learning how to get myself out of it, you know, before I mean, while I'm in it, then I'm like, ah, (laughs) I want to scream at somebody, ah. And it's like conditioning how to see it coming. So, you know, you go into a meeting where you're like, this isn't going to be a fun meeting. I know there's going to be some unhappy people, you know, getting yourself into like a good state of mind where you're calm and you're like, okay, I can, I can handle this, you know, or you need to be high energy, you know, doing meditations to get yourself into high breathing, to get yourself excited and ready. And did you ever see ted lasso yes i love that show greatest favorite all-time shows oh my god that show is like the best because they just that is one way of like just being in the right place at the right time and everybody's like you're this is not going to work and how it works and they nailed uh, it and so um gosh i don't remember her name the blonde the The owner of the soccer team yeah yeah yeah. um Miranda? No. Uh, hold on. I'll look it up. Keep talking. Keep okay. Talking. So what I love is um, she, there was a, was it the coach, the, sh- the short coach, Nathan? And she's like, 
when I need to go in, when I go into a meeting and I, you know, I know I'm nervous and I'm scared. I go into the bathroom and I go look in the mirror and I make myself really big. (laughs) (laughs) And there is actually a meditation for that breathing of like getting into that state and just like breathing really fast and really hard. And it like exhilarates you and gets you into that, into that place. But I just love that how, you know, you, she looks all put together and she has this super successful job and she's just like Rebecca, that's her name. Rebecca. Yeah. And she's just, you know, is somebody that's like, Hey, I'm honest, you know, I I just love the vulnerability of everybody in that show and how it just so perfect. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's a great point. Just the vulnerability because, you know, a lot of people were scared to show that. And I'm maybe again, I'm generally speaking. And that's one thing that, you know, I felt like I always had to have this tough guy mentality or masculine mentality. And, and I think a lot of people go along with that, that it's really hard to, you know, be vulnerable and show those feelings and that, you know, you can't be successful without that, you know, if you're not vulnerable and almost being humble at the same time, I may screw that up, but yeah, but just being vulnerable and like, people are like, Oh, I can relate to that. That resonates with me. Why didn't, you know, he's not, you know, this tough guy mentality all the time, you know, he's got issues just like everybody else or not issues, but problems, you know, and that's one of the things that, you know, when I'm doing these podcasts that I've noticed with people who, you know, like to share these moments in their life, they were vulnerable or, or not that it's like, wow, that's just not me out there that, you know, I'm going through that too. And, or whatever it is. And it's just people learn that, okay, you know, if they did it, then I, maybe I can do it too. And it's a strong thing. I think it is that, you know, I think a lot of people get stuck and they feel like they're the only one in their head and they just can't get out of their own way. Then they've learned that, Oh, okay. Then it helps that, you know, you have a friend and, or not, maybe not a friend, but you know, there's somebody else out there that, you know, like, Hey, I can actually, maybe if they did it, I can do it too. And then you can start on a new path in life. And like you did, you know, and find out it doesn't always have to be this way just because it's the status quo again, you know? Part well, I guess that's the right word to say that sometimes I say things on here. It's like, did I use that right? So I don't know. No, you're good. You're good. You're totally good. Yeah, it's it's it is. It's it's seeing that leap of faith in somebody that you're like, she did it. Oh my god, that means I can do it. Too. Yeah. Yeah. And you're it's interesting when you you get into this path, you know, and and leaving my job. And I had one friend that was always nervous and worried every day. And she'd be like, oh, my God, well, if you're if you're starting this business and you're writing, like, how are you making money and how are you going to pay your bills? And she would make me out to be homeless. Like, I'm like, I'm I, I'm not going to be homeless tomorrow. Like, <laughs> I may take a little time, but no, I mean, it was like almost like it was so repetitive that it was a mantra no. as if it was like. And I realized I was like, oh, my God, like I'm failing and I don't understand why I'm failing. And I'm like, because. I'm just having this voice in my head all the time of like, you're not going to be able to pay your bills, but it was, it's her insecurities of doing it and watching me doing it. And I was just like, I don't understand what's going on. Like I have a plan and everything's working out. And all of a sudden you're like asking me where my tent is in the park. I'm like, I don't don't have one, you know, (laughs) I don't, I'm not there, you know, but those, you know, that, that conditioning of the people around you, that is such the hardest part of the journey is a telling people what you're doing and then b li- you, li- people inflicting their fears on you 
and you can't get sucked into their fears. But if you look at it and you turn it around and say, their, it's their fear, it's not my fear. And just look at it as you're doing something so big that it scares people. Yeah. Well, sometimes, it, I, sometimes I wonder if it's two types. So I learned there's two types of jealousy, right? Yeah. And that, you know, you're jealous of somebody, you know, being able to be free and take that leap of faith and go start doing something they actually want to do. And you're just jealous and you hate on them. And you just, you know, you just try to beat them down as much as you can, just because you're, you have your own insecurities about it because you hate your job. But, and then there's another type of envy where, you're like, wow, you know, Debbie left a job and started writing books. Now I want to do that, you know, and it's a motivation tool at the same time. Yeah, you're jealous, but you're using that as motivation at the same time. And that's where more people need to like to spin that around instead of just hating on somebody just because they're doing or living the life they want to and they can't. Just, hey, man, like, let me use this as motivation. Let me, if she did it again, like, you know, again, if she did it, let me take a chance at it, you know, baby steps, you know, just don't go, you know, drop everything and take off running. Cause then you might be having a tent in the, uh, <laughs> in the park, park but, you know, <laughs> but it's just a matter of just, you know, everybody wants to take the, what is it? The red pill or the blue pill and get a shortcut over time or the shortcut overnight or, but it just takes like a steady road of just building good habits and making the right decisions and maybe a little luck, maybe a little hard work. And eventually you start to be that person who got to, you know, leave the corporate world and find that they're happy now and doing what they've always wanted to do. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, jealousy is a form of flattery, right? Mm. So, you know, people that are paying so much attention to you, you know, there's that energy of like, there's an attraction for a good reason, you know, and they're trying to process it. So, if you recognize that and you were watching somebody process what you're doing, it is that faith of she's doing it. Sure. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I think it, it's again, another motivator of people are watching me and it's, you know, Hey, make mistakes because if you don't make a mistake, you don't, you can't always be perfect. And when you think the road is dark, it can get darker. Don't black can get really black. And, you know, there's reasons for it, but you also learn value in every step in, you know, exactly. Like, do I need the Jimmy Choo show shoes? Is that, that going to like help me be successful on a podcast because everyone runs looking at my feet <laughs> uh, or, you know, be like, I'm going to wear those old pair of Adidas that I've been kicking around since 1982. No, not 1982. <laughs> 2012. I don't not know. bad. That's not, not bad. bad. That's better. Get your money out of it. Yeah. You know, so, you know, you find value of, you know, what you need, what you don't need, what you, what will help you be successful. And you know what? It also is who's really on your team too. Mm. Yeah. You know? Who's with you in those dark moments and who, who drops you and, you know, who picks you back up when things get, get better, when things get on the upswing, you know? So it's important to see yourself at that low level because when you do become successful and you do get what you need, you see the people that want to jump on your train there, but they didn't want to jump on your train. Exactly. Or low. And that's very important to pay attention to because, That'll, that'll ruin you too. 
you know, needing their acceptance and letting them jump in. It's like, no, I'm good. Debbie, I think we should take it home right there on that. That was right. a good way all to end right. this. Um, if people want to find you, if you want to plug anything, all that good stuff, feel free to do that. Okay. You can find me at Debbie Cruz. That's all my social media, which is Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, YouTube, and LinkedIn and Facebook. And my website is the same, debbiecruz.com. And I will spell it for you. It's D-E-B-B-Y-K-R-U-S-Z. And I would love to offer to all of your listeners a free discovery call with me, cool. as well as a free download of my latest novel, Soul Meets Body. Nice. Thank you for that. You're welcome. Um and also, thank you. This was great. Thanks for doing a little late night podcast with me. I know this oh, is. Oh, no problem. Thank you. <laughs> this was fun. Cool. Um, well, yeah, I think I'm good. Anything else you want to say? Or? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. All I right. really appreciate it. No um, uh, yeah, loved it. Had a good time. So, all right, folks, we're out of here. Be good. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park